Welcome back to We're Too Literary. I'm Kenny. And I'm Jonathan. And today we are here to bring you a superhero film. One that I had a lot of hope for. I was very excited for this film. I'm very excited to watch Dwayne Johnson on screen. I won't lie. Yeah. I Don't get me wrong. I was very excited about this too, especially with all of the marketing that has been behind it. How much it's been pumped up as being something epic and so we're bringing you black adam featuring dwayne the rock johnson the, the superhero movie that changes the hierarchy in dc and i'm not disappointed but i'm feeling a little left to be desired i would agree with that it was a really fun anti-hero movie because Black Adam himself is supposed to be more of a gray area hero, something like a Deadpool. Uh, definitely more, I don't know, I feel more villain. Huh? The movie definitely presented him as anti-hero. That's probably because of Dwayne Johnson. But to me, reading about the character, I'd say he's more villain slash anti-hero than like straight up anti-hero. Okay. Yeah. He is classified as a supervillain, but he seems to be on the... He plays with the line, right? He seems to have a conscience about whether or not somebody is good before he dispatches them, and he wastes no time dispatching those who he feels like are clearly the enemy, clearly a threat. Just with extreme prejudice. Yes. Yes. That is a great way to put it. And as always, we're going to jump right into this with spoilers ahead. So here's your warning. If you haven't seen this movie and you are wanting to not be spoiled on it, maybe check out one of our other episodes first because, <laughs> well, I mean, you're going to get spoilers all the way around. This is exactly what we do every time. Correct. No matter where you go, you're going to get spoilers for something. <laughs> yep. So the movie ends with a very strong promise that Black Adam is going to take on anything and everything that gets thrown his way. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that means hero or villain doesn't matter. He is going to protect his home of Kondok no matter what. It'll be interesting to see the longevity of that with the fact that DC doesn't seem to have any kind of continuity. They're spread all over the map, which is fine, except for the fact that you just don't understand what's going on. And supposedly the upcoming Flash movie may be kind of resetting it all. Oh, really? Interesting. That so, makes sense that they would do something like that, considering Flash has the ability to move fast enough to affect time itself. Or am I misremembering? In a way, yeah. I mean, he can travel through time to a certain degree, I guess, using the speed force. Okay. And I mean, I think they even played around with that with Superman at one point where he flew <laughs> backwards around the world, which like, how do you know which direction is backward when it comes to going east or west? But well, we know which direction the world rotates, so you just fly the opposite direction, and you yeah. get spin the other way, and, you know, when you stop, that's how far back in time you go. 
I guess. Watch that Superman movie. That was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But all right. So if if they reset it and kind of give it a little bit more of that Marvel continuity that we're so used to, I think that would really help the DC universe. And especially recently, since we heard the news about James Gunn and Peter Safran taking over the lead of the film division of DC, I think that is going to make a, a big change to the DC universe in a way that may help us enjoy it more. I'm I'm with you on the fact that the one thing that I still lean more Marvel on is that at least I know what's going on from point A to point B with everything that's happened in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far. I, they don't leave a lot up to the viewer to have to figure out in and not in a bad way, just in the sense that we don't have to do a lot of guesswork, whereas with DC, it's like, OK, we've been introduced to Teth Adam, a.k.a. Black Adam, and I get that he is part of the same grouping as Shazam, but they really didn't even they didn't even touch on that. Like he is by and large part of the Shazam universe. The same Council of Wizards gave the new Shazam his powers. And yet nothing Shazam related happened with the exception of the word itself. <laughs> Which is in some ways it it's confusing because it makes you it to me it leaves that lingering question of what the hell he exists at the same time as Shazam? Do they share powers? Like what's going on? It I'm good with letting or leaving things up to the audience but not when it just makes a bunch of questions and kind of distracts from what's going on. Yeah. So it's it's a lot to take in. And Black Adam, again, was very entertaining. It just felt very linear and didn't leave me having a lot of feelings about what was going on outside of like, oh, that was badass. Oh, that was fun to watch. Oh, look at these other heroes that kind of showed up to do some things and maybe apprehend Black Adam for being himself. Uh, Which was confusing. Not the, confusing. It just I didn't like it. But then Black Adam gets a little too eccentric with his powers and he causes harm to those he didn't mean to cause harm to. So he takes a back burner. He's like, no, no, maybe I'm maybe I'm a little too cray. And then decides to. I don't know, he he comes back into it because they know that there's absolutely no way that they can accomplish what they need to without him. And so they work it out in a way that allows him to circle back. And then we're left with an ending where we're just like, yeah, we, we knew this was going to happen. We knew that this was going to go exactly how they lined it up. And not that it wasn't good storytelling, but at the same time, it was like, the kind of storytelling where you're just there to watch it go, wow, that was just a lot of special effects, a lot of really cool nonsense that ends up with a character that you know is just never going to have a problem until something significant as him comes along to do something about it. And so 
as I'm sure a lot of you listeners are well aware, if you've already seen the movie or if you've heard any of the news about it, the ending of this film, I know we're jumping ahead here. We're, we're jumping around like the movie does. Yeah, exactly. And you find out at the end that he is welcome to any opposition. And then, lo and behold, Superman shows up and is like, hey, we should talk. And you're like, cool. Henry Cavill's back. And boy, does he look good in that suit. And I'm just happy to have him. But I'm excited for that. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's almost a like Christopher Reeves style Superman. Like the suit was much brighter and he even had the cowlick. Ah, yeah. And it looked great. Right. And you know that Superman is from another planet. So that makes him one of the only forces that can actually take on Shazam because he's that strong. Shazam, actually, something that I learned is that the acronym to activate the powers actually stands for something. The S is for the wisdom of Solomon. The H is for Hercules and his strength. Okay. I, I'm going to have to interrupt you there, Kyle, okay. sir. Go ahead. Well, yes, that is true. That is actually Shazam's power set. Black Adam, while also Shazam, stands for something else entirely. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. So, Shazam, Full disclosure, I know very little about DC. Same. But <laughs> at the same time, I know enough to get in trouble. So, Billy Batson Shazam is Greek mythology. Oh. Whereas Black Adam Shazam is Egyptian mythology. Oh, Okay, but this is interesting. The Rock had, at one point, played the role of Hercules. And the way that everything unfolded with Black Adam felt like Hercules. Because Hercules loses his family. And then he goes through some serious trials. And that is, more or less, exactly what happens with Black Adam. Well, uh, you know, losing your family is always a great motivator for becoming a hero. Or a villain. A really, really sad way for that to come about, though. <laughs> yeah, that's good motivation. I guess. I mean, I feel like today's day and age, you lose your family, you're not really feeling like pulling out the hero role. But then again, we don't get to come out of it with powers, so. Correct. And truthfully, I'm pretty sure we've utilized some aspect of that in our work. Just in case any of you out there are a little OCD, though, I will finish this off. The A in Shazam is for Atlas, and Atlas is stamina. The Z is for Zeus and his powers. The next A is for Achilles and his courage. And lastly, it's Mercury and Mercury's speed, hence Shazam. But as Jonathan noted in the case of Black Adam, the acronym stands for a little different. It's Egyptian, so it's Shu and their stamina, Horus and their swiftness, Almon and their strength, Zehuti and their wisdom. I don't know that I said that right. Zehuti and their wisdom. I'm not sure either. Somebody can correct us. I'm fully open to that. Aton and their power, and Mehen and their courage. So that's how the Shazams play differently. But yeah, it was a fun movie. It just left a little bit to be desired. And so with that, let's give the quick synopsis. Let's do it. All right. So the movie kicks off 
at 2600 BC, and we're seeing the tyrannical king Octon of Kondok, who is wanting to create the crown of Sabak in order to gain the power of Sabak, who is literally part of hell, as we learn later on when it becomes more of a demonic thing. And they find a little bit of what is the equivalent of kryptonite, Superman's kryptonite, but for Shazam slash Black Adam, it, I wonder if, you know what, I'm not going to pretend like I know any better here, but do you think Eternium actually messes with Shazam too? Good question. I would imagine so if they essentially get their powers from the same source, which is the wizard. Right. And so a kid is nearby when one of the others are down in the quarry and they find a little Eternium and the kid helps bring the guy up to one of the king's men to be like, hey, we found some. We'd like the king's reward. And then you know how that goes. The king's men are evil. They they betray him, they stab him, they throw him off the edge of a cliff. And honestly, it's a little, a little messed up when they show you that he just falls until he hits something. And you're like, oh, God, that looked like it sucked. And, you know, he's dead. And then the kid runs away with the Eternium and starts a revolt that causes the kid to almost die. And right as he's about to be executed, he's transported to the Council of Wizards where he is suddenly deemed the champion of Kondok and becomes the, well, the champion because he's not technically Black Adam. He is a hero. He's a champion of the Wizards. And Correct. He's just the champion of Kondok, which we're technically boiling extra a little head as we're... Led to believe at this point in the movie that this kid is the current Black Adam we see. Yes. And, well, he's not. <laughs> no. And so after this, we see a moment where the hero returns to kill the king and his end, end his reign. But then we're just flash forward to present day Kondok. And we see that it's a mercenary controlled city. It is not free by any means, but it wants to be. We mean under the control of the most generic mercenary organization I've ever heard of, the Intergang. Yep. Which is just like, what the hell? Who, the, who comes up with Intergang? Somebody who didn't want to waste a bunch of time coming up with a name. Probably true. They did what I do with most multiplayer online games where I'm like... <laughs> I just don't want to spend hours thinking about this and making it perfect. I'm just going to randomize button, randomizer button. Ra oh, inner gang. Yeah, let's call the Merc organization inner gang. That sounds great. Sure. Sounds good. Let's go. And so we're introduced to this very generic sounding mercenary organization. Uh, and we also quickly learn of a resistance fighter and archaeologist named Adriana, who will end up being one of the main focal points of the rest of the movie. She's trying to locate the crown of Sabak with the help of her brother, Kareem, who is a really fun dude throughout the movie. He actually is kind of the comedic relief, even though it's very light. Be honest with me, Jonathan, did you find yourself laughing a lot in this movie or just a little bit? I wouldn't say a lot, but definitely a good amount. Yeah, it was, it was a decent enough, but it wasn't like a... 
I wasn't rolling on the floor with anything, really. I think at one point, Kareem sings a song that was like, ah, oh, that's great. I'm enjoying that. But then we also see their one other random colleague, Samir, who just falls from the sky and lands on the ground and slowly dies. And we learn that Adriana is in the, it was a cave, right? Yeah, in a way, like a cave canyon thing. Where the Council of Wizards are? No, uh, I believe it was just a burial ground or an entombment for Black Adam. I didn't, was, do you think it was the Council for the Wizards? I don't recall exactly because if you think of Shazam, there wasn't the, they call it the Eternity Stone or the Eternity the Rock of Eternity. The Rock of Eternity was here, which was where the crown was floating in a very cool fashion. I don't know how it works, but I imagine magnets are involved. <laughs> magnets. How do they even work? Right. Either way, it's floating there. She sees it. She does some Lara Croft Tomb Raider style parkour and manages to collect the crown from its floating point in the air. All the while, she has no idea that Samir has fallen to his death. She has no idea that Kareem is probably freaking out down below. And Ishmael is with her, very menacing looking the whole time. Yeah, so oozes villain vibes. Right. And, that, and that's something that I'll say right up front here and now, is that his vibe left absolutely nothing for us to figure out we knew right off the rip that he's probably going to be a bad dude in fact he's probably who pushed samir off of the cliff i'll admit i looked down for just a moment and i did miss that segment i probably should have gone back and checked it out but i'm pretty sure he's the reason samir fell to begin with most definitely so believe they were all in obviously the cave together i'm more curious how he gets up there that quickly to get thrown off and then back down if he is the one to do it right so to sum up in this particular area what happens is she collects the crown ishmael's like give me the crown i'm gonna kill you if you don't a bunch of his men show up he's obviously associated with inner gang and she manages to save her brother because they pulled Kareem up into the room with them. And we see her do her part to try and save him. The crown gets handed off to Ishmael and then it gets handed back. Like she manages to sneak it back by releasing Black Adam by whispering the words that she found on the ground. And it causes him to appear, and then he quickly and easily dispatches everyone. And this is where I will say that I was like, okay, there is not going to be anything to worry about with Black Adam, because I think I mentioned to you during this bit that it felt a lot like the finale or towards the end of the series of Cyberpunk when the kid ends up with the... What did they call that? The bone something? The cyber skeleton? The cyber skeleton, yeah. 
when the kid at the end of cyberpunk ends up with the cyber skeleton and he's got the sandivistan and he's just blinking everywhere and destroying this entire army that's coming at him that's what happens in this scene with black adam this entire army of inner gang is coming at this place and he comes out and literally just blinks around at super speed and wrecks everything there is nothing that seems to stop him until at the last moment he walks over after Adriana and Kareem are trying to get out of there in their car. They're driving away. He walks up to them and notices the crown before a guy shoots an Eternium rocket at him. And he catches the rocket and then examines it for some silly reason before it explodes on him. Because he doesn't understand where the rocket is. Yeah, but I've never seen one before. It got shot at him, so he'd think of it like an arrow or something and be like, this is bad. Either way, we finally see something that so slightly harms Black Adam, but not really. Not enough to make you be like, oh boy, poor guy. He is a struggling. Let me tell you, not really so much. He's fine. So the rocket does manage to knock him out. And from here, we are taken into Condock, where... Adam awakens in a kid's bedroom who is in love with superheroes. There was Flash, Batman, Superman, everything that lets you know, hey, this takes place in the DC universe, or at least maybe has lots of comics, which I do find interesting that in DC, there's comics about the superheroes. Very quickly, this movie introduces a ton of new superheroes, which I thought was interesting. And a little out there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm great showing more superheroes, but this movie just has so many people crammed into it and not a lot of character development. You know, it's one of my biggest issues with it. But we're shown Amanda Waller, still played by the great Viola Davis. So you at least have that through line as she tasks Hawkman, Dr. Fate, Cyclone, and Adam Smasher to come stop Adam. which. A little odd, you know, I I understand Viola Davis to have authority over like the Suicide Squad, but the fact that she can tell the Justice yeah, the fact that she can tell the Justice Society to go do something, you know, I'd like to examine that. That should probably have its own movie or at least something that tells you a little bit more about why she can do that or how she can do that. I would love to know a little bit more about her because she does seem to have a very high level of authority and i don't know a lot about her she is an interesting government official because she comes off very threatening and powerful but i'm just like who are you you showed up in suicide squad and i i get it i respect it but i'm not sure if you're good or bad correct and then she shows up again in the suicide squad Peacemaker, now Black Adam. And supposedly she has entered talks to do her own HBO Max series. Okay, we'll good. At least we'll get out. history. Correct. Yeah. It'd be fun to see. And there's a lot of cool DC content coming out. Like, I watched Peacemaker. I thought it was fantastic. I need to watch you know, that. I've heard it's you, really good. You should definitely watch it. There's also a Penguin-centric 
HBO series coming out and maybe this Viola Davis as well as Peacemaker 2 or season up. 2. Penguin isn't like D, like Batman's villain penguin? Yes. Okay. 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 I'm with it. Yeah. Let's starring a right. uh, Colin Farrell. It's supposed to connect to the Batman movie. Okay. We'll see how that works out. I'll take it. But anyways, we'll get back on track. Yep. So the Justice Society shows up and proceeds to attempt to take down Black Adam and fail rather miserably as he murders a bunch of people. When they introduce the Justice Society, again, we get Hawkman, we get Dr. Fate, Cyclone, Atom Smasher, which is great. But none of them seem like they should have even a fleck of the ability to take down Black Adam as he's demonstrated thus far. He seems so wicked powerful that the rest of them don't seem like superheroes in the same vein. I'd agree. And in a way, they almost... There's Chekhov's gun in the room. They show that Eternium can weaken him or damage him like kryptonite. I expected them to lean into that more. And that's probably what I would have done. And we'll get into that later. Because, yes, the heroes attack and throw everything they got at him. And Black Adam's just like, y'all bunch of, yeah, bitches. Basically. And then they go on to be like, hey, Black Adam's not exactly a savior. He's kind of a madman. And Adriana's like, I don't believe that. And he's just a little confused. And he just needs some direction so that he can be the protector that is needed for Kondok. And I just don't understand how any of these guys even stood up to him. That's that's part of where I get a little hung up. Like, I'm not trying to be a hater on this. Again, very entertaining movie. Really enjoyed it for what it is, but felt like there was some things where it just didn't make a ton of sense. No, it it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's like trying to introduce a bunch of new characters, a bunch of new heroes, maybe a setup for later. And to me, falls flat and definitely has no emotional payout with any of their fates. Get it? Get it? Yeah. Because <laughs> Dr. Fate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So and, and similarly to when I watched Wonder Woman for the first time, I felt something with that movie. I felt impassioned with it. I wanted to see everybody succeed in that movie. I wanted the heroes to prevail. I didn't want anybody to die. I really it, it hurt when people didn't make it. And in Black Adam, for the most part, it was just, oh, yep, there goes another one. Oh, and okay. there, Yeah, this seems like it going exactly how you would expect it to because there wasn't really any significant opposition. And that's where I think it falls a little short. Continuing with the synopsis, we learn that Ishmael is the leader of the inner gang group of Kondok, and they're trying to get to the crown so that they can summon Sabak. And there's a lot of tit for tat with Justice Society and Black Adam because Hawkman is very much not about just killing the enemies, which I understand a lot of the heroes are all about the justice. And of course, they're called the Justice Society, so may as well. Bring the yeah. baddies to justice. And it makes sense. But I think Adriana has a great point. 
kind of somewhat early in the movie when she points out that this gang of really bad people have taken over conduct and are, you know, killing people indiscriminately, doing terrible things, and the Justice Society will just let them do what they want and not right. stop them. But Black Adam, who's willing to do what he needs to stop evil people, regardless of what happens to them, apparently that's when they have to step in, but not when bad things are happening to innocent people. Right. I think it's a great point the movie brings up, but then, I don't know, it doesn't have the follow through that I think would pay off. I think they could have done that better. Yes, I, I agree. The fact that they really lean into Black Adam changing his direction and being more in line with bringing the bad guys to justice rather than just dispatching them. It's like an interesting topic of discussion because it's a very gray area for a lot of people. On one hand, they made their choice to be part of an awful organization that does what they do, where they discriminate against those less fortunate or whatever else and cause all kinds of havoc and death and again whatever else while nothing is happening or changing about it and then we get a savior to come along and do something about it in a way that's meaningful so to speak over the fact that when he's finished they can't cause that harm anymore while on the other hand the justice society is like let's you know have them go through due process well we all know that due process can take a really long time a very long time not to mention going back to what you said earlier adriana makes a really good point about how it's been over two decades of condoc being occupied by military and they're dealing with all of the inner gang bull that's going on. Well, Justice Society's never shown up before. And she makes that point of calling them out on the fact that now that they finally have a hero, who are they here to stop other than the champion of Kondok when they never bothered with the fact that, like you said, a lot of innocent lives were were being taken by this military occupation and all of a sudden, the Justice Society cares because there's a threat that's greater than them. Right. It's not exactly a whole lot of justice going around. Not to mention, we see when the Justice Society does show up and does try to help, they actually end up causing a lot of damage. You know, I'm pretty sure at one point, even one of the statues gets like toppled over and it, Adam Smasher themselves accidentally makes it even worse when things get bumped and because he's so huge it's he's like oops right yeah he's getting used to he's going through a growth spurt and he's still getting used to his power right we've all been that awkward puberty stage but for superheroes yeah but it it seems to also touch on that bit of what we've seen in other movies before where they talk about the collateral damage that's involved and to be fair the way that black adam was handling things was pretty clean-ish the damage that he was causing was mostly to the stuff some structural damage a little walking through walls but otherwise he was just straight up murdering you know bad guys 
true. Very little collateral, like death, I believe. I don't know if I actually, until what, the third act, or not the third act, the end of the second act, I don't think he has any kind of collateral damage. Yeah, other than, yeah, no collateral damage, exactly. And it's an interesting point that gets brought up there because when the Justice Society shows up, they try to take on Black Adam. And because they're trying to do that, they cause a bunch of damage in the process. And it talks about or points to that whole discussion of are the heroes really helping as much as they think they are? So it's an it's an interesting point that they bring up, but then they just brush past it all. They talk about the fact that the Justice Society's never really been there to help. And suddenly they show up because of this and then they move on from it. They don't really linger on it. They accept the help of the Justice Society anyway. And so then we move into the point of the next part of the plot. They just they push into it. They keep it going. I think this movie was a little over two hours long, right? At least I think so, like two and five minutes. Yeah, sounds about right. Minus credit, we're talking just a little over, just a little over two hours. Which, unfortunately, I think that the fact that they didn't give it a, an extra half an hour's worth of time really took away from being able to tap on these topics a little further and give the whole story a little bit more of a point to make, of a lesson to be had, and. I will probably get into this when we do our rewrites at the end, but I disagree in the sense that I don't think they utilize their time well enough. Yeah, if you keep it filled with Justice Society and all that, yeah, another half hour would be necessary. But I think if we cut that out and restructure some of the film, I think you could make that play without having to add a lot of extra times. Yeah. I think if there was some restructuring about some of the story elements that they chose to include, you could probably get away with being able to tell some of these plot points better. And next, we get a little bit more of an understanding of what happened with Black Adam in terms of his fight against King Octon in the beginning, and that he was actually banished by the Council of Wizards, but not after he more or less took out the majority of them. I think... Yes. Only one was left, right? The one that cracked. gives Shazam his powers later? That is correct. That is the only one left alive at the end. And it's like, dang, that's rough. They granted, we talked about the fact that Black Adam is actually the father of the original champion, right? I believe so. I, mean, I believe we mentioned that earlier. But well, at the same time, I think that's where we're getting to with the story. With right. The reveal. We're, we're getting to that point of finding out that Black Adam was never really labeled a hero. He was, in fact, he points out that he never said he was a hero. And we get the understanding that he was in prison because he went rogue. He was on a vengeance path. He wanted to take down the king who took his son. And then it kind of went from there as he accidentally overloaded himself with power to the point of where it killed innocents around him. So the council deemed him unworthy. So they 
imprison him. And then we learned that Adriana had actually released him from said prison. And I don't know, that feels kind of predictable too, would yeah. you say? I would agree. I think you could have done a whole first act as the origin, take all the different pieces that they spread throughout. Because from the beginning, I don't know, like watching it, they keep the rock as the father in shadows until the big reveal. But I just personally, I knew watching what was going on. And I think it would have been a better story to just show it from the beginning rather than trying to do this underhanded, ooh, the prize. Right. We end up getting this backstory in the middle of the second act that has to do with how we learn Octon has figured out that Harut, which is Black Adam's son, as the champion at the time, is basically invincible based on the powers that he was given. But the moment that he learns that his family is in danger, he goes to his father and gives him his powers to save his father, but is immediately killed himself, which happens so quickly and so underwhelmingly because it's just this kind of narrated dialogue of what's going on. We see the exchange, how he hands off the powers to Teth, and then he's immediately shot in the back with an arrow. Like, I get it. The assassins were watching over. They're quick. But at the same time, it just felt force. It's like, this is going to happen. We know this has to happen. But yeah, it just happens. Yeah, I agree. It, everything just happened. I'm not entirely happy with just how it happens. Yeah, I think we mentioned this earlier, but with a couple of the newer DC films that released that really kind of made you feel something, was like Wonder Woman 1. And when I felt the emotions that I felt in that movie, it really brought me into it, made me care. And in this case, not that I didn't necessarily care, I just didn't feel that tied to the characters that we suddenly lose. We understand where Teth's revenge desires come from. We get that breakdown but it happens in such a short order that by the time you really get the information they don't let you process it very much they just kind of say here it is and now we're going to jump right into the next part of this and then we are back in modern day we're learning that adriana gave her son the crown and he is hiding it he's amon is keeping it hidden then Ishmael shows up and shows his betrayal to Amon and Uncle Kareem. Oh. And Ishmael shows his drive is not impeded by family. He shoots Kareem. Fortunately, Kareem is just wounded. He's not dying, dying yet. Like, he's not in great shape, but he's not dead. And then a pursuit happens. Yeah, it's a bullet, bullet flesh wound in the gut. And then this whole pursuit of Amon starts with basically everybody from Inner Gang showing up to try and capture him before he can get away with the crown. And we'll just jump ahead here because you're probably guessing if you've obviously seen it, you know. But if you haven't, I'm sure you've figured out that this plot line is fairly predictable. 
and we know that Amon has to get captured with the crown in order for things to progress. Or the crown gets picked up, but we'll just tell you, Amon gets captured with the crown. Yes. And we're also introduced to some kind of wild tech that occurs, again, seemingly out of nowhere. There's these speeder bikes. They feel Star Wars-esque, and yet they have the ability to blink through space. Space time? Yeah. I'm not sure about time, but they definitely, like, all a little wormhole or something. So the movie introduces Eternio, which is just unappealing for DC. Like, it is the magic element that does whatever it needs to do is what I get from the movie. Right. And early on, we're introduced to the fact that it can hurt Black Adam. And then it never does anything ever again. Not really, yeah. Just ridiculous. The other thing that we also, another piece of tech that we learn about is that the Justice Society has a aircraft that's made out of nth metal, which is apparently completely indestructible. And I'm assuming that this is the equivalent of DC's adamantium? Because vibranium? I don't know. Vibranium? I mean, so vibranium could get damaged. Can adamantium get damaged? I think really the only main thing that can happen with Wolverine was if Magneto literally ripped the metal from his flesh. (laughs) It's not that he could destroy the metal, he could just manipulate it, right? I honestly, it's probably whatever the story would need to happen. Yes, I do remember the one comic where Magneto rips the metal from Wolverine's skeleton. Oh, God. Still hard to not imagine. Just sounds horribly painful. But yes, we learn about this nth metal. We see these speeder bikes that have, I guess, a little bit of, for lack of a better word, warp capability. And yet they can't seem to outrun Black Adam with them. They the bursts that they do are in, are indeed short. At one point, we do see this flight pursuit where Black Adam's chasing after him and the guy's just sitting there pressing the button over and over and over again, causing it to jump repeatedly. But it doesn't really seem to matter. So it's just a weird introduction of some strong technologies. But eventually, Black Adam finds out that he didn't track down the right bike. And so Amon and or Ishmael gets away with Amon in this other bike, we finally get to this point where we see this breakdown between the good guys and the bad guys and deciding that the crown has to be given up to save Amon's life. But of course, there's going to be some backstabbing. And I would say this might have been the one aspect of it that I didn't anticipate the one part of the plot line that did surprise me a little bit, which was we learned that Ishmael actually ends up or provoking Adam into killing him while he has the crown because the crown works in a reverse fashion. It's you have to be damned to hell in order to be reborn as the champion of the six demons of Sabak. And so he goads him into killing him. And in the process, Black Adam accidentally hurts him on, but doesn't doesn't kill the kid, just hurts him. He realizes that his powers are a little bit too overwhelming and decides to banish himself. Right. It's here where 
he, yeah, it's here where he goes into the backstory about how he actually wasn't the original champion and it was his son and stuff. And because of what keeps happening, he says the magic word and turns back into a human, so to speak, allowing himself to be captured and taken to a super secret base in Antarctica. Is that where that is? It's in Antarctica somewhere? That makes yeah. sense. It it was really cold. It was that it looked like. So, yeah. And then we get a little bit of the Justice Society's backstory, because at this point, Black Adam's been imprisoned and he's told Hawkman, never let me say the word again. Well, there's literally no way for there to be accountability here. Hawkman is busy with other things. And so... We get a little bit of that backstory, like I said, of Justice Society and and how Dr. Fate has the ability to see the future through visions. And he sees the premonition of Hawkman's impending death. And so they start to try and figure out how they're going to make that not happen. And they build up this final battle scene where we're leaning into the this is the third act at this point with Black Adam being imprisoned. We're in the third act and they're figuring out the final plan to take care of Sabak because when Ishmael died wearing the crown, the whole ritual came to life and he revives as this really actually pretty awesome looking demon. Yeah. He had a very cool design. I enjoyed it. Yeah. He reminded me of a end of days kind of devil or even some cool D&D style tiefling demon. It's pretty, pretty neat design, but he comes back with this really deep demon voice and just evil as can be ready to take on his throne and to dispatch anybody who gets in his way. The Justice Society goes, no, we can't let him sit down on that throne. We got to do something about this. And they go to take him on. Well, Dr. Fate recognizes that based on his visions, this is not going to be a doable thing without Black Adam. And in order to help prevent Hawkman's death, he puts up a big old barrier that keeps everybody from getting in, puts himself on the inside of it, and goes to take on the demon himself. And as he takes on the demon, they really don't give us anything to be surprised by here. We know that this fight is a noble sacrifice that Dr. Fate is making. So you right. see some really cool special effects, some really neat powers. It was a pretty epic fight. I like the way it played out. I just, think this whole plot line is just like it wasn't something I was a fan of. I agree with you completely here. And and here's why. I like Pierce Brosnan as an actor. Mm -hmm. I thought his role as Dr. Fate was very promising and cool. He seemed like a very unique superhero in the vein of like Doctor Strange. And I... <laughs> have no problem admitting Doctor Strange is one of my favorite characters of the Marvel Universe. I do enjoy the concept of magic as a superpower. 
and with Dr. Fate having chronomancy, kind of a time mage almost element to him, as well as just these Doctor Strange-like abilities where he can create these barriers and make things appear differently than they are, giving that mirror dimension vibe, but with more of just an illusion. He was a really, really cool hero that we only get for this movie and i think that's extraordinarily disappointing because he had such a unique skill set that he could be a movie of himself and it would probably be a really interesting and fun film in the same way that doctor strange is i agree or he could even be like a supplemental character but at this point he's dead and i'm assuming they're going to bring back the doctor fate superhero just with a different incarnation perhaps it just it's just one of those things like they it was something that they threw up the movie and padded it and i don't know it just it doesn't work for me it feels bad when they deliberately write in a character that is not going to get to make it very far and they make them such a cool character sure that that created a feeling of investment for me as far as that character's concerned. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm really into this character because of how neat his design is and what he can do. And so it makes you feel bad when he doesn't make it, but it also felt just so, again, this one kind of felt forced and you knew that it was a noble sacrifice. So you just have to be okay with it, right? I definitely would have done that differently. He seems like the kind of character that would sit on a council of heroes that are beyond powerful to the point of being the kind of hero you would expect to consult on major threats to the world and to just not really get to see him for more than this is all I can hope is that they'll come back with some sort of story to tell with him because it's a bummer not to have him now. Agree. I, I always like an excuse to see Pierce Brosnan in the movies. True. Absolutely. So we lose Dr. Fate in this fight against Sabak. Sabak, thank you. And then the barrier drops. So Hawkman's able to come in and actually start fighting. Well, the last thing that Dr. Fate does before he dies is he passes along a bit of his magic and, and, does a little inspirational Black Adam, we need you. He helps free him using his magic abilities to get Black Adam out of his imprisonment and out of the prison itself where he's floating back up to the surface. And during this, you're supposed to be concerned about whether or not Black Adam's going to make it, but you know that there really isn't any other way that this can go. He has to get out of this situation. So they're not going to kill him here. Exactly. He floats to the top. He says Shazam. Bam, his powers are back. And then he's just gone. He zips out of Antarctica, heads straight back to Kondok, and shows up pretty much in the nick of time to make sure that Hawkman has the support that he needs to fight Sabak. Yeah, and I'd like to just point out that when the bubble fails and Dr. Fate is about to be murdered, the Justice Society runs towards it, not using any of their power, or any of their speed to get there quickly. They're just like running like they're out for a jog. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. 
So the fight with Hawkman and Black Adam, they wrap it up with Sabak. There's a moment of, oh, look, Sabak actually managed to do some damage to Black Adam. But, oh, man, it doesn't seem like much. It's just a few front face and scratches. And then, yeah, I'm sorry. It just jumps right to the end. It really does. He carries him outside of the throne room area and is holding him up in the air and then just tears him in half. Literally. That, that was epic. I won't lie. That was badass. Watch him just by the horns, riff him down the middle. Yep. It was it was really cool. It was I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it was an awesome moment for the demise of a villain. However, how often do we get one shot villains anymore? Oh, always. That's yeah. all we get. But in this case, he is a demon of hell. He could always just come back. He'll get better. Well, yeah, so we know Sabak himself isn't necessarily gone, just the vessel in which he was using. But at the same time, that happened so quickly. And again, very cool demise, watching him just get torn in half. But it's like, wow, that just that wrapped up in, in a matter of minutes. And we didn't really see this fight that made you worry. Right. I feel like that's something that is important for a story is to have that concern for whether or not the hero is actually going to be able to pull it off. And even if you know the outcome is going to be that the hero pulls it off, you still, with good storytelling, have that inkling. Nope. You still have that. Ooh, what's the word we're looking for here? A word that's better than concern. <laughs> yeah. I had the word and now the word is gone. But correct. You know the hero's gonna win, but you still are holding your breath because oh shit, it doesn't look good. Right. And that just doesn't happen here, which I get it. Black Adam again is like a Superman level character. He is extraordinarily powerful to the point of basically being a god. So not much is gonna be able to stand up against him. But at the same time, it'd be nice if there was at least a little bit of struggle. Concern? Yeah, a struggle that involves a little concern for the character. But that's pretty much how the movie wraps up. There's a little bit of Black Adam talking to the Justice Society, saying that he's going to stay, and they're on good terms, but Amanda Waller's watching him. He escaped from her prison. She's not too happy about it. I'm still not sure if she's good or bad. She, I know she's got the best interests kind of thing going, the greater good kind of thing going, but... Maybe. I just, I just don't know if she's good or not. I would agree with that. I do think it's a little, again, I think we mentioned it earlier, but mentioned again, the fact that she can tell the Justice Society to go do something I find a little hot. Yeah. And then we get the moment where they did a kind of cliche style. This is where they finally introduce that he adopts the name of Black Adam. He's like, I'm going to be, and they don't actually even say it. They're just like, I am. And then it cuts to the title of the movie. And it wasn't quite like an I am Iron Man moment, but it was very much just a, this is the new name that he's going to adopt. And then bam, we get this Black Adam title screen. And you're like, yeah, we know. <laughs> the whole movie was about you, bro. Yeah. 
And then we finally get the big moment, which I know we talked about earlier on in the episode here, but we learn that Waller had, takes issue with Adam being defiant, warns him against leaving Condock. If he ever leaves Condock, she's going to send what she has at him. She says, bring it on. I don't care. Throw everything you got at me. And then out of nowhere, Superman just floats down and says, we should talk about things. And there's going to be at some point Superman and Black Adam fighting, which will be cool. That'll be a really fun bit to see. I don't want Superman to actually put him in his place a little bit and then have it be a back and forth like that would be ideal in my mind. That'd be fun. Because otherwise, why introduce? Right. Well, and I think these two are supposed to be on like relatively equal power levels. Yes. So, but let's jump into how we would maybe do some of this differently. What do you have? I'm going to make you start this time. Ooh, ooh, okay. I'll go first. So, I mean, I would, I'd restructure the whole film. Start with, for me, (laughs) I would do an act one origin take all the disparate parts they did combine into a single story of yeah conduct is enslaved under this evil dictator dwayne johnson's son stands up for what's right becomes the champion of conduct fights against the tyranny trying to save his city and his people only for only for adam to get hurt and requiring Harut to pass his powers on to save him. And then, yeah, Harut will die. I mean, it's part of now the comic history of one of the paths that's happened. And I think it works. I think it just could have been done better. And if we stay with them, to me, that gives a little bit more connection to the character, a little more emotional death rather than, oh, big surprise. And you get little snippets here and there. Okay, sure. And from there, I'm like still just changing so much because I'm, for me, I think drop the whole Justice Society. I mean, if the intention is that you need to introduce them, you could do something as part of the stinger or a little snippet here and there. But I would power up the inner gang in the sense that they seem to have these Eternium-based weapons and technology, which we see in the movie as it is, that it can hurt Adam. But then it never plays out any further. So I would ramp it up. And yeah, they're able to to hurt him and he's having a fight against it and it gives a little bit more word that we can't think of yet again (laughs) to the story as he's fighting against them knocking them down you can keep the crown keep the kidnapping plot and him again end of the third act going i don't want to say insane but getting angry and losing control Mm -hmm. to kill ishmael and but i would expand it and he hurts more people he actually causes collateral damage which he realizes he can't do that and so causes him to give up his powers to say shazam only for ishmael to come back as sabak and we go into that third act in which the city's under attack and adam has to find it within himself to become a hero as the son wanted him to be. Sure. And I think you could probably power up Sabak in the fight in the sense that he has this Eternium crown. Yeah. So why can't he hurt Adam with 
like some kind of eternium based attacks or something. More that so way, than he did, right? Correct. He can, I don't know if they morally wound him, but it caused him to bleed, caused him to actually get damage and really ramp up the tension in that fight. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, I like the idea of the, the stinger with Superman. I think he could still do that. Maybe with Adam Waller, I find it so odd that she seems to just have all this power. And maybe we, it's a long-term thing that they're planning on having play out. I'm not sure. Yeah. Keep it as is. I could go either way. I could also probably rework it. I thought it would be fun that maybe Clark Kent is there in conduct as a journalist, trying to get the story, trying to find out what's going on, only for Black Adam to come in. And then, yeah, that's why he shows up at the end. Yeah. Right. And I would definitely want to keep the element of what Black Adam does in terms of his willingness to kill versus what the heroes normally do. And Adriana's comment about how that's apparently not okay, but it's okay for the inner gang to control the city and terrorize his people without anybody stepping in to help, which kind of gives a parallel almost to current events and like what's going on in Ukraine. Sure, sure. So I guess for me, I got to thinking about how I would do this differently. And I am in a similar boat with you that I would actually rework the whole movie. However, for me, I actually did enjoy the story that they were trying to tell in those early years in the in 2600 BC. And I think that it would have been a lot more interesting to me to get a full origin of the whole champion of Kondok. I think that if they had decided to tell the story a little bit more from Harut's perspective for and I mean, I would remove the modern element, I would remove the modern element, I would remove the Justice Society, I would actually have this be a full-blown origin story to really set a little bit more of the timeline of Shazam and the Council of the Wizards. We know very little about the Council themselves, and we know that in Shazam, the one wizard of the Council that remains gives him the powers that he is ultimately granted, and I am failing to remember here, but I want to say that he also after granting the power of Shazam to the kid, Billy he, Batson, Billy Batson, he, he's no more, right? That the wizard finally moved uh, on as well, I think. You know, I don't remember. I don't fully remember either, but I'll watch it soon and maybe we'll revisit this. We should do a follow-up with Shazam. Yeah, exactly. But since I think the sequel is coming out next year. Fury of the Gods, right? Something along those yeah. lines? Yeah. Yeah, in fact, that yeah, that would be great to do. But I would go back to the beginning and I would actually have the whole movie be about Harut. I think that telling Harut's story and showing his efforts to save Kondok and then having it lead up to where you were talking about how eventually Adam, Teth Adam gets maybe mortally wounded to the point of where Harut's like, I'm going to save you, father. This is my my act of heroism beyond what i've already done for kondok we see this big unfolding of how he has spent maybe act one and two of 
doing all of the things that Harut does to free the people. And then when the whole tide turns and his family gets hurt and his father is dying, he hands off his powers to his father and Teth Adams survives, but it sees Harut immediately die in a similar fashion. But at least at that point, there would be that character buildup, something that you would make you feel for Harut in this noble sacrifice himself. And then the third act would be Teth Adam taking on the powers and we see his descent into madness over losing his son and his family, his wife and everything. He goes in and takes out the king right before he has the opportunity to take on the crown. And we get that full bit in the third act of this being the not every superhero movie needs a magnificent fight with an ultimate villain like maybe this could literally have been a darker toned revenge story where the final moments is him taking out the king of octon and then being brought back to the council of wizards where we see the last part of this being the wizard saying you don't deserve this power anymore there's an epic fight between the lot of them teth takes out almost all of them except for the one but the one finally banishes them away and we get a little bit of a closing arc there that says okay black adam will return and we get a better version of what this first movie was based on a more well-rounded story arc of redemption so movie still ends with an epic battle the movie will still end with that epic battle, but in the darker tone that not everybody sure. really comes out strongly on that one. Teth gets ban banished into imprisonment and the Council of Wizards is greatly reduced. That whole thing felt like they glossed over it. And I think that in and of itself could have been the whole movie where we get the history of Conduct, we get the history of how this champion came to be, and maybe there's a minor villain that gets played out in the first and second act with Harut being the champion before it leans into the revenge arc that ultimately concludes with the banishment of Black Adam before he returns in this new position. But then I think that could have lent to a better sequel that allowed the return of Superman and everybody else the way that they're talking about how this is going to lead into Justice Society, Justice League, everything else. I like it. I think, yeah, yeah definitely could work that way. I don't know that we get a lot of origin stories anymore. I do think that's something that there is origin stories still here and there. They got away from it, say, with the most recent Spider-Man movies. We don't have the whole Uncle Ben arc anymore. We talked about how that torch got passed to Aunt May. But ultimately, there wasn't that whole origin of spider-man how he got bit how uncle ben died how all this stuff happened and so a lot of movies have taken a leaf from that and they've moved away from it and this is one of those times where i don't feel like it was right to move away from it i think they actually should have given us more because really all we understand is that black adam was once a madman now he's maybe not so mad but we're also still trying to figure out, is he a supervillain? Is he a superhero? Arguably, he's a supervillain based on the comics, but 
it seems like they're trying to make him out to be more of a hero so that people are like, yeah, we want more Black Adam movies where he's the badass winner. But that's all I got. That's I like it. I think either way, I like, I mean, yeah, probably bias here, but I do like the way we envision the story going. I agree. Getting away from doing all the origin stories or at least like shortening them up to rush into new stuff. But there's something missing out, but I can also see the fact that there's, there's so many origin stories out there. Yes. It gets a little redundant because it's always the same story. Somebody gets their power, learns to use it. There's something that motivates them and then they defeat their villain and now they're a hero at the end. Yep. Truth. Okay. All so right. That note. Anything else to share? No, I think that covers it for this one. We are now in the month of December. So get ready for some discussions about Christmas movies. Yeah. We're, I think we have our first one planned coming up, correct? We do. We do. The first one we're thinking we're going to go with is the new feature, mm-hmm. Violent Night, starring David Harbour. Thank you. I completely blanked the moment I started to say those words. I know. There was a pause there, so I stepped in <laughs> to help you out. Thanks. The friends do. We're going to start with Violent Night, see how David Harbour pulls off his John Wick-esque style Santa role, which is going to be pretty amazing from what I can tell. And we'll probably come back and talk about a couple of other ones that we've seen come up recently, especially a one, one that I watched not too long ago and know that you also watched recently but we will probably even go as far as to talk about spirited Ooh, nice the, i really enjoyed that it was a movie that makes you just want to strangle ryan reynolds but it also didn't go in a traditional direction and I think that's great. I actually think that's one of those movies that when we get to talking about it, it's going to have a little bit of a different tone than we did here. Correct. There, there was a lot of things I think they did right with that movie and not a lot I would have changed or I would have done differently. Right. It was, it was fantastic. We'll just go with that. And it was the musical, so it also makes me happy. Yeah, I know you're a fan of musicals, maybe a touch oh, more yeah. than me. <laughs> Probably. But... We'll be back with some Christmas this December here, so be on the lookout for these upcoming episodes that are going to be touching on some of our holiday favorites. With that being said, thank you all so much for joining us this week on We're Too Literary. We had a great time talking about Black Adam and how we would have done it a little differently. We still enjoyed the movie, don't get us wrong. I thoroughly, I really thought it was a fun film, but I just felt like this one was a little too predictable. That's all. I agree. I think they could have done something a little more unique and interesting. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, be sure to hit that follow button, subscribe, whichever one it is that makes sure you know when the next episode drops, which is typically on Fridays. So be on the lookout for our next episode featuring Violent Night. And we've also got our website up, weirdtoliterary.com check it out because you can listen to our episodes directly from there as well and we also have the ability for you to provide feedback 
send us a note at feedback at we're2literary.com. We'd love to hear from you. Love to know what you think of our show and what you would like us to maybe talk about. Some topics, yeah. some movies. If you have any recommendations, throw them our way. Please. We're very, very excited to be doing this. We're having a ton of fun with it, so we can't wait to do more and would love to make sure that we're providing you guys the content you want to hear. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.